0: Welcome to The Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry at Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out The Living Room ATL on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. Done celebrating. Come on, I hope you're celebrating with me right now in the chat. Man, what an amazing night! This is incredible. Tonight, we just got to witness three people three students, three lives tonight that were saying, I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus, that I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I'm doing everything I can to follow after the only one who is. And man, we are celebrating with you, all of you, Veronica, Kayla, Sydney, I want you to know that you have a family right now that is leaning in, celebrating with you for that step that you just took. Thank you so much for your courage. Man, what an amazing night. I feel like I could just say, In Jesus' name, amen, and we could all log off and it would be an amazing night. Um, But I have a word I wanna bring to you tonight, so don't log off just yet, but man, so, so incredible. In fact, I'd love to pray as we kind of move forward in the message. God, I just say thank you. God, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of this. Yeah, we don't deserve it, but God, thank you. Thank you for your amazing grace you extend to every single human being. And God, thank you for the, not to the fact tonight that we got to, to witness three young ladies who, whose lives have been changed by you, Jesus, whose lives are being changed by you. And God, I'm believing that the best is yet to come. I'm believing that their best days are their next days. I'm believing that you're gonna continue to work in and through each of their lives in so many amazing ways. And so God, continue to do what only you can do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, man, whoo. lar fam, uh, how y'all feeling tonight? Y'all good? I'm gonna set my my phone up back here. Oh, never mind. we don't have a shelf. I'm gonna set my phone right there. But family, y'all y'all good? I'm trusting that you're talking back to me right now through the screen, even though I can't see you. Which, by the way, I just wanna say, I miss y'all, I really do. Like, I love that we're able to connect together on Monday nights. This semester has been next level, amazing. It's been so good. Every single Monday night, I leave here, I leave Buckhead Church, and I'm like so fired up. Our team, like we have a group chat, our team does. And, and the chat's just like on fire. Like, I don't go to bed until like 2 a.m. on Monday night. So really, I don't go to bed until like Tuesday morning. But I'm cool with it, because I love what God's doing, but with all that being said, I do miss you guys, and uh, I can't wait for the day where we get to see each other back again in person, which hopefully will be sooner rather than later, uh, but keep praying, keep staying safe, and, uh, but I did wanna say that I love you and I miss you, but hey, tonight I'm really excited, because tonight we're kicking off this brand new series here at The Living Room called Living the Dream, Living the Dream, and it's a series where we're gonna be going through one of the most incredible stories in all of the Bible, we're gonna talk about the story of Joseph. And and if you've ever read the story of Joseph or heard about the story of Joseph, it's a a pretty incredible story. At times, it's like an unbelievable story, like literally, it's hard to believe. Um, But what's so evident in Joseph's life is that God um, was always with him, that even in the the tough times, uh, God was with him and God was working at all times. And so tonight, uh, we're kicking off this series, Living the Dream, and I love the title of this series. Because it's a phrase that we say often, right? Like maybe you personally don't say this phrase, living the dream that much, but you probably have heard it said, like you at least know what it means. It's a phrase that we normally use when life is going pretty well. Like when things seem to be working out well, like when you, you know, pass the test that you were hoping to pass, that you say like, I'm just, I'm living the dream, you know? like. When you uh, get into the, you get the dream job you were hoping to get, you're like, man, I'm just living the dream. When you finally get that guy or girl to say yes to going on a date with you, you're like, yo, I'm living the dream. And people come up and they're like, how's life? Like, how are things going? How, how's this season? And you're like, just living the dream. Like, can't complain. Like, that's that's when we use this phrase. But what's ironic about this series title is if you know anything about the story of Joseph, you know that Joseph was indeed living a dream, but not necessarily in the way that we know the phrase to be used. Like Joseph was living the dream, but Joseph also went through a whole lot of tough things in his life. In fact, the story of Joseph, you could say, is marked by one setback after another. Setback after setback after setback. In fact, here are some kind of defining markers of Joseph's story. Like Joseph had plenty of dreams in his life, but he also had dashed expectations. The story of Joseph reminds us how the sovereignty of God intersects with the struggles of real life. The story of Joseph tells us how God honors uncompromising integrity that costs you something. His story shows us how God is able to redeem anything, even the bad, and use it for good. And the story of Joseph shows us how God uses setbacks, suffering, and difficulty to prepare us for the purposes that he has for us. That's just a snapshot of the story of Joseph. And the story of Joseph, honestly, in so many ways is our story. Like the story of Joseph is actually not that far off from your story or from my story because we too all have hopes and dreams in our life, yet so often we find ourselves stuck and frustrated not where we want to be. And isn't it so true, like I don't even have to convince you of this, I kinda feel a little bit silly even saying this, but life is full of setbacks. Like, can, can I get an amen in the chat? Maybe even from the people in the room. You guys could talk back to me. Oh, wow, I didn't think you really were going to, but that was amazing. Um, but life is full of setbacks. Like, for you, I don't know what it is, but maybe a setback that you've experienced is like you had your career path set you, you knew the direction you were headed and you're like, this is gonna be great. Like, I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna get this internship. I'm gonna get this job. But then guess what? You didn't get into the program for the major that you wanted to get into. And you're like, yo, what, what am I gonna do now? Like, maybe for you, the setback was that you had the wedding planned. Like, not legitimately, but like, you were like, I can see it. I can visualize it. Like, I know what it's gonna be like. This person, they're the one. Like, I am so confident. But then you broke up. The relationship ended abruptly and you weren't even sure why. Maybe for you, the setback was you had your dream school chosen. You knew where you wanted to go to college. You had been dreaming about going to this school since you were like 13 years old and you knew what this season was gonna look like. You were so excited to live in the city, but then you didn't get in. And here you are, you find yourself in maybe your second or third or fourth choice for schools that you wanted to go to. And come on, if we could just be really honest and kinda lean in here for a second tonight, Isn't it true that in so many ways, 2020 has just felt like one big setback after another? Like you feel like you just can't catch a break. It's like, man, okay, that's gotta be enough. Like that's it, nothing else bad can happen in this year. Like we've experienced enough tough times in 2020 and then boom, next week something else happens. And and throughout this series, we're gonna look at a few questions together. And some of the questions we're gonna look at are questions like, What do you cling to in the midst of a setback? What happens to your faith in the midst of a setback? And what happens to your your dreams in the midst of a setback? Those are just a a couple of the questions we're gonna look at, and tonight, we're gonna dive right in uh, to the story of Joseph, and we're gonna pick it up in Genesis chapter 37. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible, very first book of the Old Testament, and Genesis 37 is where the story of Joseph kinda picks up, Um, but before we dive in, I need to pause and kinda give you a little bit of context for where we we are at this point in the story, and uh, here's where we are. Uh, If you rewind back just a little bit to Genesis chapter 17, you can read about how God had made a promise to a man named Abraham. And God makes a promise to Abraham and his promise is this, Abraham, I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. And then from there, Abraham goes on to have a son named Isaac. And Isaac goes on to have two sons, Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob goes on to have 12 sons, one of which is a man named Joseph. And Jacob's 12 sons would eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel. And God was working this together all along because he wanted to get Israel to Egypt under favorable conditions where they could grow into a mighty nation. And so this is where the story picks up. In Genesis chapter 37, beginning in verse three, check this out with me. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. And because he he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him, and when his brothers saw that their father loved him, loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him." So. Joseph, one of the sons, many people think Joseph is the youngest son. He's not. He's actually the second youngest son. Um, there's one son that was younger than him. But while Joseph wasn't the youngest, he was absolutely the favorite. And Joseph's father, Jacob, um, he, he didn't hide this. Like, he, he let everyone know. Like, hey, Joseph is my, is my favorite son. Like, I love all of you, but I love Joseph the most, you know? And he goes on to even say, hey, just to show how much I favor Joseph, to show how much I love Joseph, I'm gonna make him this ornate robe, or like the way we see it in like pictures in today's world, we see like this colorful robe, right? Like this amazing looking robe. And he's like, Joseph, I want you to wear this robe at all times to show that you are my favorite. And so his brothers, Joseph's other 11 brothers, are like, yo, you wanna know how we feel about that? We hate you. (laughs) And they're like, in fact, Joseph, we can't speak a kind word of you. Like, if someone were to come and say, hey, tell me about your brother Joseph, like, we don't have a single good thing to say, and so we're just not gonna say anything at all. Like, if you take your mom's advice, like, what does your mom always say? Hey, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Joseph's brothers, I don't know if they took that advice, but they should have, because they clearly didn't have anything good to say about their brother Joseph. So the story goes on, and one night, Joseph is sleeping, and he has these two dreams. And he didn't really know in the moment what these dreams meant, but he knew that these dreams were significant. And so Joseph wakes up and he's like, yo, I've gotta tell someone about these dreams. And so he rushes out into the field the next day and he finds his other 11 brothers working out in the field. And he's like, hey, like, I had these two dreams. Can I tell you about them? And I don't really know how this moment or interaction went down, but I imagine his brothers were like, no, Joseph, we don't wanna hear you speak. Like, Go home. But they were probably like, Joseph, we know you're gonna speak, so just go ahead and tell us about it. Get, us, you know, get it over with. You know, like when your sister or brother comes to you and like your annoying little sister, annoying little brother, not saying your little brother or sister's annoying, but you know what I'm talking about. And if they come to you and they're like, yo, can I tell you what happened at school today? And you're like, I don't really care, but sure, like what happened. That's probably how this was going down. And so Joseph's like, hey, I had these two dreams. And the first one was this. Um, we were all out gathering bundles of wheat in the field, and my bundle stood up straight but all of your bundles of wheat bowed down to mine. And so I'm sure his brothers were like, that's so awesome, Joseph. No, wrong, that's not how they reacted. They were like, yo, what what did you just say? Like, the second dream better get better, little boy. And so they go on, and Joseph's like, hey, let me tell you the second dream. It was actually kinda similar. Um, The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars that I could see in the sky were all bowing down to me. Isn't that crazy how similar these dreams were? And at this point, his brothers had to be like, all right, man. Like we're done with you, like we already hated you, we already couldn't say a single kind word about you, but now like you've taken it to the next level. You are literally saying that we're gonna bow down to you. What in the world, Joseph, you've lost your mind. And so the story goes on and Joseph's father one day says, hey Joseph, can you go out to the fields and check on your brothers? And so Joseph's like, sure, like, Dad, I'll go check on them. So he goes to check on them. And as Joseph goes to check on his brothers, check this out, just a little bit later in the chapter, Genesis 37, verse 19. Joseph is going out to the field to check on his brothers. They're working. And this is what they say when they see Joseph coming their way. They say, hey, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, which is like a deep well that holds water, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So his brothers are like, hey, look, here he comes. This is our opportunity. We're gonna kill him, and then we're gonna throw him into the cistern. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Like, we're gonna throw him down there and be like, yo, tell us about your next dream, Joseph, right? Right? But Reuben, one of Joseph's brothers, I guess he was like one of the only nice ones. Reuben heard this, and he tried to rescue him, rescue Joseph from their hands. And Reuben says, let's not take his life, he said. We go on. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him. This is what Reuben said to rescue Joseph, to rescue him from them, and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe that he was wearing, the one his father made for him. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty, there was no water in it. So Reuben's like, listen guys, let's not kill him. Let's just like throw him in the cistern and then we'll figure out what we're gonna do. We'll figure out what's gonna happen. So it goes on, check this out. Judah said to his brothers, hey, what, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who then took him to Egypt. So the brothers throw him in the cistern, but then Judah is like, hey, look, if we just leave him in there or if we just kill him, what are we gonna get from that? Nothing, like he's gonna be dead, but like we don't get anything from that. So let's not kill him, like we're better than that, guys. Come on, like let's just pull him up out of this cistern and let's go sell him into slavery. And at least then we'll get like something for him. Like he'll still be gone, but now we'll get something. So they they go and do that. All the brothers are like, yo, that's a great plan. Like you are brilliant, Judah. And so the brothers go and do that and they sell Joseph into slavery for 20 shekels of silver. Now, how many of you know how much 20 shekels of silver would be worth today? Just let me know in the chat. My guess is like probably none of you know. If, some of, if any of you in the chat know, um, you're, you're amazing. That's really incredible. I, don't, I, don't, I was gonna say like I'll send you a Chick-fil-A gift card or something, but, but watch, like 20 of you are gonna know, so I'm not even gonna say that. But if any of you know, that's amazing. But let me tell you, I didn't know until about 24 hours ago how much 20 shekels of silver was worth. 20 shekels of silver in today's time would be worth about $200 like you could barely buy like two pairs of air force 1s for that crazy right like they sell their own brother into slavery for $200 like joseph must have been thinking you could have at least sold me for like a grand i don't know 500 something like $200 really and at this point in the story the brothers of joseph thought that he was gone they thought they had gotten rid of him they're never going to hear from him again right but no god God had a different plan. And God was about to redeem this evil act for good. Did God cause this to happen? No. But could he use this for good? Absolutely. And what the brothers didn't know in this situation was this. The brothers had no idea in the moment that the setback Joseph was experiencing was actually a setup. The setback was a setup even while Joseph was in the pit, like in the bottom of the cistern, he was still living the dream because he was on his way to fulfilling the purpose that God had for him. The destination that God was leading Joseph to was going to be so beautiful, but the journey to get there was going to be absolutely brutal. But the setback was a setup. Now, what am I saying? Am I saying that every single setback you experiencing, you experience in your life every setback you have experienced is gonna lead to something amazing that God's gonna do in your life. No, I'm not necessarily saying that. But what I am saying is that God will use, God will use the setback to set up whatever it is he wants to do in and through your life, if you'll allow him to. That if you'll allow God to do this, that he'll use any setback in your life as a way to set you up, as a way to prepare you for whatever it is that God wants to do in and through your life. The setback was a setup, and this is absolutely true in the story of Joseph, and we're gonna find this out as we go further on in this series, that at this point in the story, this seemed like one giant setback, but this was actually a setup for what God was going to do in and through Joseph's life. And I just wanna say to you tuning in tonight, I don't know what setback you might've experienced or you currently are experiencing, Experiencing, I don't know what setback you're gonna experience in the future, but what I can tell you is that if you trust God and you follow him to the best of your abilities, God will use any setback in your life as a way to set you up for what he wants to do in and through your life. Just three observations that I have from this part of Joseph's story. Observation number one, you don't have to have clarity about the setup, you just have to have faith that God is with you in the setback. See, Joseph wasn't exactly sure where God was leading him, what God was setting him up for, but Joseph knew that God was with him in the midst of the setback, and the same is true for you. You don't have to know exactly what God is setting you up for, where he is leading you, but you can say, man, I am 100% confident that God is with me in the midst of this setback. The second observation is this, you learn more about your faith when things are hard than when things are easy. I wish this weren't the case. Like I honestly do, I wish it was the opposite. I wish you learned more about your faith when things in life were easy, when you were truly living the dream, but that's just not the way it usually works out, right? Like usually, in fact, at least in my life, maybe you can relate, usually when things are going super well in my life, when I'm like, man, I'm just out here living the dream, it's in those moments where I can easily forget about God. Like it's crazy how I will pray about things for months and months and months in my life and then God will come through on that prayer and I'll get what I've been praying for for all this time and I will, I'll forget to even say thank you to God. I'll just step into it and receive that blessing as if I earned it 100%. And then months later I'll be like, oh God, thanks for like working all that out. You learn more about your faith when things are hard than when they're easy. In hard times, that's when you feel like, I don't know where else to turn. So God, I'm, I'm trusting in you. God, I'm looking to you. God, guide me, lead me. The third observation I have is, is this. God will waste nothing in your life. God will not waste a single season in your life, even a season like this one that we're living in right now, I just am believing that for so many of you, you probably think that this season, 2020, feels like a complete waste. But no season is a wasted season when you place it in the hands of God. God will not waste anything in your life if you're willing to surrender it to Him. And and hey, I love that all semester long, we've been able to celebrate stories of baptism. I love that tonight we got to see three people take their next step in their faith through baptism. And what I love about baptism is we get to hear part of their stories. And as I just kind of reflected and read through some of the stories that we've been able to celebrate, and as I've reflected on some of the conversations that I've had with a lot of you, I realized that there was a consistent theme. Like every story is unique, every story has, you know, unique circumstances, no story is the same. But what I realized is that there was a consistent theme that in basically every story, every person said something like this. I used to believe, but now I know. And yes, we we prompt you to say these things. Like we say like, hey, what was your life like before Jesus? What is it like now? But here's what I'm saying. Even when I have conversations just with people at coffee shops, or when I talk to people on the phone that are taking this step, this is what they say. They say, Matt, before I knew Jesus, I just used to believe that my life had no purpose. I used to believe that I had no hope for my future. I used to believe that there was no way I was ever going to be able to live up to to the expectations that people in my life had for me. I used to believe there was no way I was ever going to be able to forgive this person that hurt me so badly in my past. But Matt, now now I know, now I know that there is hope. Now I know that there is peace. Now I know that I can overcome even something that was so difficult for me to experience. Now I know that I can have purpose. Now I know that my future is bright. And see, here's what I'm learning in my life, specifically when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, is that where we're prone to see a period Usually right here, we would wanna just put a period. I used to believe this, end of story, period. Where we see a period, God inserts a comma. And he says, uh, your story's not done. I know that you experienced this setback, but yo, yo, if you you trust me, if you stick with it, where you see a period, I'll put a comma. And that setback is actually just gonna be a setup for what I wanna do in and through your life. So don't put a period where God puts a comma Can I just say this to you? I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight. Maybe it's someone in the room. Maybe it's someone tuning in. Maybe it's someone who's gonna be tuning in a couple days or months or years from now, but you might be in the middle of a broken chapter right now in your story, but God is in the process of writing a beautiful story. You might be in the middle of a chapter in your life that feels so broken. We all have pages in our stories that we hope no one else ever reads. But while you might be in the middle of a broken chapter in your life, God's in the process of writing a beautiful story. And if you could see as God sees, everything you're walking through right now, every setback you're experiencing would make sense. So what if we stopped focusing on what is happening to us and started paying attention to what God might be doing in us? What if we stopped focusing on what's happening to us and started paying attention to what God might be doing through us. Here's the three questions I wanna leave you with. And I wanna challenge you, TLR, to begin to ask these three questions whenever you experience a setback. Question one, what can I learn from this? God, what do you want me to see right now in the midst of this setback? What do you want me to know? What is it that I can learn from this, God? Question two, how can I grow from this? God, not only do you what do you want me to learn, but God, how do you wanna grow me through this? Like what, what parts of my life need to be developed? Where do I need to grow? Where do I need to, 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 to gain more discipline? And question number three is this, who can I help because of this? God, I know I'm experiencing this setback and I wish I, w- I weren't walking through this, but God, if I'm gonna walk through this, I at least want it to have a purpose. So God, who is it that I can help because of this? Who needs to know that they're not the only one going through this? We, Personally, in the past couple of years, I've walked through some difficult things and I've realized that if I allow God to use it to, to answer these three questions for me in my life, if I come to God and say, God, what is it that you want me to learn from this? How can I grow from this? And specifically this third question, who can I help because of this, from this? I've realized that God always answers that. And I've found myself in conversations, sometimes with random people, and they're telling me about a setback that they're experiencing, and I'm like, no way. I just experienced that same thing a couple of years ago. It's gonna be all right. You're gonna get through this, I'm telling you. I know it's hard, I know it hurts. There's hope. So here's what I wanna say as we close tonight. The band's gonna close us out in um, a quick song, but before we close, I feel like it would be a miss if I didn't acknowledge that right now there's probably a lot of you tuning in who feel like right now you're walking through a really, really big setback in your life. And maybe it's a setback that honestly feels debilitating. Like you don't know how you're gonna get up from this. You don't know how you're gonna move forward. Every single day you wake up and you're just like, I don't know if there's hope. I don't know what to do. Can I just say this to you as your pastor, as a friend, as a, maybe an older brother in your life, can I just say to you that no matter how vast your setback might feel, There is a savior that is greater. There is a savior who says, I am greater than that setback. What if, what if, hear me out on this. What if the setback you're currently walking through in your life is a setup for you to find life? Let me say that again. What if the setback that you're currently experiencing, that you're currently walking through in your life is actually just a setback for you to find life in your savior named Jesus? Because let me just tell you, Jesus is greater than any setback you could experience. He offers hope that is greater than any setback you've experienced. He offers peace that is greater than any setback you've experienced. He offers joy that is greater than any setback you experience. He offers life and life to the full that will ultimately outweigh any setback you could experience in this life. And so tonight, maybe, just maybe, there's someone tuning in who says, man, I want a relationship with him because I can't keep trying to carry this on my own. And so tonight, I just wanna invite someone tuning in, maybe even someone in the room, to place your faith in Jesus for the very first time. If you've never said, Jesus, I trust you, you're my Lord and Savior, then tonight might be the time for you to do it. And so if that's you, would you just repeat this prayer after me? This prayer doesn't save you, this prayer just solidifies what God's doing in your heart. Would you just pray, Heavenly Father, I confess that I am a sinner in desperate need of a savior. God, I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. And tonight, I'm choosing to place my faith and trust in his death and resurrection. And I wanna follow Jesus from this day forward the best way that I know how. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, whether you're watching online um, or in the room, in the room, I'll stick with you here in a second, but if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time tonight, I'm getting on the chat right now, I would love for you just to put a live in the chat. Just put the word alive in the chat so that we can celebrate with you. If you're in the room, there's some family and friends still here in the room. If you're in the room and you just prayed that prayer tonight for the very first time, there's only a few of you in here, but would you just shoot your hand up at me so I can see you? It's cool if there's no one. There's a hand right there, that's amazing. That's Sydney's, Sydney's dad, come on, that's amazing. Someone in the room just received Jesus for the very first time. We're gonna celebrate with you in a second. I'm messing up what's going on in the chat here right now. Wow, that, oh my goodness. I'm behind in the chat, but I know there's people in the chat. Y'all, my mind is blown right now dad who's here tonight to witness his daughter take his next step in her faith and he just found faith in Jesus tonight for the first time, that's amazing, that's amazing. There's some of you in the chat right now receiving Jesus. Come on, come on, TLR family, all together, even in the room, can we make some noise right now for what God is doing? He's setting people free. Lives are being changed. Hope is being found. Hey, this is amazing. There's people right now in the chat. I fell behind in the chat, but I can see so many of you saying amazing, amazing. Praise God. People are finding life in Jesus. We're gonna close out with a song tonight just to kind of celebrate what God is doing. He's doing amazing things, TLR, even right now in this season. So heavenly, Heavenly father God tonight we whew, tonight we say thank you lord thank you for catching me off guard tonight God tonight about 2 hours ago our team prayed that you would surprise us and do something unexpected and god we're seeing it right now So god i just praise you say so you're so good You're so good, Lord. Every setback in our life, if we place it in your hands, if we trust you, it ultimately is a setup for what you wanna do in and through us. God, I thank you that even when we don't see it, you're working. And those aren't just lyrics to a song that we're gonna sing here in a second. God, that is truth that we can anchor our lives onto, that even when we don't see it, you're working, you're working, God. Right now, you are moving and you're working and you're changing lives and you're changing this city and you're changing families, you're changing our our country, you're changing our world. And God, tonight we say we are finding hope in you. In no other name, God, we're finding our hope in you. God, even when we don't see it, you're working. So, Lord, tonight we just want to close out by just singing this. Just singing this over and over and, and going into this song that you're the way maker, you're the miracle worker, you're the promise keeper, you're the light in the darkness. So, come on, lead us. Even when we don't see it, you're working. Come on, come on. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you want to stay connected, follow us on Instagram at the Living Room ATL. Remember, TLR fam, we love you, we're for you, and we'll see you next time.